Coming up on This Week in Games, regulation incoming as the FTC looks to investigate loot boxes, Nintendo to shut down a controversial program, and Valve wants to retain the big money makers. Coming up This Week in Games. time of the week for your game industry news rundown. I'm your host Eric McConnell and this week forms a shadow over the American game industry. My first story, FTC to investigate loot boxes. Is this the beginning of the end? Maybe. So at a routine congressional oversight meeting, the FTC announced that they're going to look into loot boxes and their predatory nature towards young players. This was all prompted by a speech by New Hampshire Senator Maggie Hassan. The FCC had agreed to investigate, but what they investigate, what investigate means, and what actions will come from the investigation are pretty much completely unknown. It could be just like lip service, or it could be kind of the beginning of the end. Now, on an industry regulation front, the ESRB and ESA defend loot boxes as not gambling, but the FTC isn't really targeting them for gambling, but their predatory nature towards players. Now, right now, Belgium, the Netherlands, Japan, and South Korea have some form of restrictions or regulations against loot boxes. Now, what does regulation look like for loot boxes in the U.S.? You know, there's a few options that could happen out of this. Um, I doubt that we'll ever see an outright ban to randomize digital goods. Basically, you would have to ban any way you randomize digital items that are purchased for real money. And that would even get messier because even if you allow digital items to be purchased with in-game money, you would be actually banned from purchasing the in-game money with real money. So there'd be it'd be a messy regulation. So I doubt we'll see an outright ban, but we could see other things. So other things are like requiring the odds for every item to be displayed at every purchase. So basically... You know, you would just see a list of 100 items that you could get and the odds of you getting those items and they'd be they'd have to be true to form. And this would effectively disincentivize the most egregious like odds tables where really the item everyone wants has a under, you know, 0.1% chance of dropping and you're just going to constantly get trash. This would probably like disincentivize you from ever, you know, spinning that slot machine. But there could be other things. So you could do things like ban specific loot box techniques. And what that means is Japan has a regulation on Kampu Gacha. And Kampu Gacha is you combining a bunch of randomized loot items to make one ultra rare item. So effectively think about this. If you had a five items and you combine those five items, you get the rarest item in the game, right? But each of those five items require you to buy five different loot box sets until you get each of the items where each item has a 1% drop rate. So you're buying this one loot box set until you get a 1% drop rate and then you move on to another loot box set and keep buying that until you get a one whatever. And then that keeps going on and then you combine all those items and you get the ultra rare items. You could see regulation banning a technique like that. Again, probably not as likely because America, it's not like one technique. It's more of the next type of ban that we're likely to see and that's banning the trading or exchanging of digital items bought real real money. So this is the combat actual ga- gambling where 
if for these you don't know, uh, Counter-Strike Go had skins for your players, and you could buy them, you know, you could get them randomly from treasure chests, which you had to buy, like, keys or something to open, and basically you could spend money and get these rare skins, and then you could trade the rare skins. So effectively, they created gambling websites where everyone would pay a certain tier of rare skin to enter a roulette, and they get paid out in other rare skins, which effectively is gambling because you could then sell those skins for a little money and then this also combats money laundering and all the other ways to kind of like get around the irs or any type of government regulation on transactions so that one's very likely another one that's been proposed in multiple states and a hawaiian representative actually tried to introduce state law very recently and that's to require the age of 21 be the minimum requirement for purchasing digital goods with real money. And that's another one which I think, you know, has a chance to come through here because really I think the biggest issue really is kids. And that's getting kids addicted to effectively pulling a slot machine for digital goods. And so I think these last two are the most, like, most likely scenarios. I think banning specific techniques or type of loot boxes probably won't happen because you know, lawmakers aren't that savvy, and outright banning uh, randomized digital goods purchased for real money, probably not going to happen. Maybe the odds display, but again, America doesn't do that for other forms of randomized things, so I doubt we'll see that here. So really, like, minimum age and not being able to pull the digital items or trade the digital items um, are the two most likely type of regulations. But right now, it's... I should be fair. The ESRB has already started to regulate, if you can even say that, and they do this by requiring an quote-unquote in-game purchases label to be put on everything with in-app purchases. And to me, this is like putting a label that says, like, require money to play on every slot machine. It does nothing. Everyone knows that these games have in-game purchases, you know, and that really doesn't tell you what the purchase is. So you could buy a $60 game, and the in-game purchase could be, like, buy a new dance emote, which is nothing. Or you could buy a $60 game, and the in-game purchases are basically essential to play the game or get any joy or meaning from the game, you know. So that label is nothing. Let's move on to the third um, kind of association that weighed in on this. So we had the ESRB, the ESA, now the IDGA wants developers to self-regulate before it's too late. And I kind of agree with them. So executive director Jen McLean writes, it should be clear wake it should be a clear wake up a call to the game de, game development industry that we must address how we use loot boxes especially when they're in games played by children. And then she also said Random loot boxes are a well-established game mechanic and a way to vary rewards and keep players interested and engaged. But when a player makes real money purchase of an unknown item, a loot box, we run the risk of triggering gambling laws. And so I agree on both fronts. You know, you 100% don't want to risk gambling laws. I don't think we're at a big risk yet for gambling laws. But the children won again, you know, probably one of the biggest risks. And it's interesting that the IDGA completely contradicts the stance on ESRB and ESA, and it kind of just brings a whole industry mess to this whole thing. So my personal opinion is that pretty much nothing will be agreed upon on industry levels because you have far too many companies whose profits and doors stay open 
rely on games that have randomized items and a lot of them rely on either elderly or kids or you know people that are open to predation to just get addicted to spending money or they rely on kind of like a back and forth social um stigma to spend money in the form like you're in a clan in a game and another clan is attacking your clan and you can spill real money to beat that clan and then your clan starts yelling at you because you're not spending as much as everyone else i mean things like this are real and a lot of people either get rich or barely stay open as a business off these techniques so you're never going to see the industry self-regulate because you know it's already it's already in the wild we will get reg government regulation but you know i don't think we'll get the extremes of like classifying loot boxes as gambling but we'll definitely get a set of rules and guidelines, especially in relation to children. So, you know, kind of just wait and see. I mean, it really is it's really in, up to the FTC at this point. Let's see what their investigation even is. Um, you know, we're just kind of panicking by, you know, going through all the scenarios. But, you know, it's very possible, you know, 2019 is the, the beginning and the end for this mechanic. And I, I welcome it, to be honest, because... I really like it's kind of like arcade games back in the day arcade games I heard a quote were designed to get you to spend a quarter every two and a half minutes and so they're predatory in their nature and it was like a terrible experience and it was just all about money and then eventually home consoles came out where that was a requirement and you could play as much as you want and really it was all about making the best game possible to sell to uh, players and I really want to return to that state of the industry and not kind of like we're not in the spend a coin every two and a half minutes but we're a hundred percent in the identify the one percent of gamers who are going to spend 99 percent of the money on your game and milk them for all you can because that has to end and it just leads to shit games all right let's move on to some other industry news we have nintendo shutting down its controversial nintendo creators program so the nintendo's creator program was originally launched as a way for the company to regulate what YouTubers, Twitch streamers, and so on do with Nintendo content. So before, to monetize in any form, and technically to put out anything that had Nintendo content in it, you had to join the creators program. So if you wanted to stream a Nintendo game, you had to do this and get approval from Nintendo. If you wanted to like make a Let's Play video, same thing. If you wanted to make a commentary on Nintendo games, same thing. If you wanted to review a Nintendo game and use any type of like box art, sound effects, or video, or gameplay, you had to join this program. Nintendo's getting away with that. Um, so now you actually can monetize Nintendo's content, but there's a lot of caveats and rules. So right now, content creators still can't directly rip Nintendo content like gameplay images or videos without changing them in some aspect. And the most basic example is like you record your gameplay from the game and you add a commentary track over the game. That, that counts as not directly ripping it. And the other thing is you can't utilize unofficial Nintendo content, and this is stuff for like games that haven't been officially launched or approved for media. So like the new Super Smash Brothers was released early in some areas. You can't actually put any of those images or videos of the gameplay out um, without Nintendo hitting you with the law hammer. So <laughs> this leads to a pretty simple set of rules and leads to not you requiring you to register for some nonsense program. But 
you know, I looked into what really creators think about this, and creators think they're still at the same place they began at. So they say the rules are too vague, and it's very vague to them what will or will not get enforced, which is kind of like what exists right now anyways. And looking at all the comments and looking at the history of this, it really just looks like Nintendo wants to maintain the ability to hold all the cards and just wants to, like, kind of keep that looming threat but they don't really have the energy and it's not really in their interest to like enforce this as hard as they can and they know that they get a giant benefit from all these videos and youtube streamers and super smash brothers tournaments and everything under the sun like nintendo knows this is what drives their revenue and this is the modern age of gaming where you have the influencer market and so on and so on so you know they're not going to outright ban it like they actually tried before but uh I mean, at least they're getting rid of this stupid program. So, next news. Valve announces a new tier for revenue sharing. So, Valve looks to keep the biggest sellers on Steam happy, and they do this by creating sales milestones that give publishers more share of the revenue. So, currently, Valve takes the platform industry standard of 30% of revenue for all games sold on Steam and all in-app purchases sold on Steam. But... At $10 million in sales, that will switch to 25% take for Valve, 75 for the uh, for the developer or publisher. And then at $50 million in sales, it lowers to 20% for Valve and then 80% for publishers or developers. Also, Valve is introducing uh, a new rule that allows developers to share sales data on their own discretion. So this is, like, amazing all around. And, you know, it's not really desperate and it's a great move for valve i mean valve is still printing money but valve knows that like in this day and age apple is getting sued for marketplace price fixing because of their um 30 take on everything people claim it artificially inflates prices to add that 30 percent on everything and the cost goes to consumers and then you see on google play uh Revenue Kingpin Fortnite refuses to give Google 30% for the Google Play Store, and you have to sideload Fortnite on all Android phones. And really, at this point, every publisher pretty much is or should be looking for a way to create a subscription model for all their games and looking for a way to create their own online store so they don't have to give cuts of anything. And Valve knows that simple moves like this can keep the biggest games still being sold on Steam. The other big advantage of this is let's say you had a game and it's being sold, you know, in physical box retailers, it's being sold on Steam, it's being sold on your own website and all these places. Well, with these milestones, it really incentivizes you to direct all your sales attention towards Steam and all the advertising and links towards Steam. Because once you hit these milestones, you're getting more money, you know, every every sell. So kind of like good move on Valve and it's kind of win-win for everyone and it's frankly pretty smart so uh yeah good news for the industry all right we got two small stories jam city acquires you can games developer bingo pop and opens a toronto studio to manage the acquisition so apparently there's a lot of money to be made uh, in bingo games or there's a lot of users free users who use bingo games on mobile and you can funnel those users to other games so the deal requires Bingo Pop development team to join Dam City and continue to manage the game operations from the company's new Toronto studio. The new Toronto studio will f- facilitate the acquisition and likely be a support um, be a support team for future games that will come from the Disney partnership. And I said it, 
you know, last week and a few weeks before, Jam City continues to make moves as it races towards that, like, IPA that they promised a long time ago. But really, why even I, sorry, IPO, not IPA. <laughs> Jam City's not making beer. But why even I, IPO at this point? I mean, you have the Disney exclusive partnership. You're making a game for Frozen 2. And you're acquiring companies left and right. And you're probably making, you're probably in the top five for revenue on mobile app stores. So, man, just keep that money. Don't IPO. You know, once you go, once you go public, things suck. So, just warning to Jam City. All right, last up. Matthew Gigard, former Endless Space developer at Amplitude Studios, forms a new RPG-focused studio in Paris. So, very simple story. Tactical Adventures is the name of the studio. The studio will be around 15 to 20 people in Paris, France, and it'll focus specifically on strategy RPGs. And it's pretty interesting. Strategy RPGs is not a genre that gets a lot of love outside of Japan. And even like in Japan or outside of Japan for its most hardcore fans, it's really just a shadow of what it used to be in the PS1 and PS2 glory days. Um, but I love strategy RPGs. I'm currently in my eighth playthrough of Final Fantasy Tactics, so come at me. Um, curious to see what Tacticals Adventures comes up with. All right, guys, that's this week for games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.